and welcome back to Tiny Voice Talks. And today, Tiny Voice Talks Uniqueness. Now, I did think that Tiny Voice Talks Uniqueness was going to be with Hattie, but I've subsequently discovered that it's not Hattie at all. It's actually Leslie Barrington, who I've been following on Twitter and have now got to know. So welcome, Leslie. Lovely to have you here. Hello, Toria. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You're so welcome. And I've got to know you as Hattie and Friends on Twitter. But actually, you aren't Hattie at all. You are Leslie Barrington. So tell our listeners who Leslie Barrington is. Okay, so I am the author of Hattie and Friends, which is a series of inclusive storybooks for young children. Uh, And when I can, I visit primary schools and I talk to years one and two about being an author um, and sometimes go to reception as well. And that's that's my full time job. Wow. And has that always, did you decide at an early stage, right, that's it, I'm going to become an author and I'm going to create Hattie and Friends and this is this is my life and this is my journey? Not at all. It's taken a long, winding road to get here. Um, so <laughs> so um, after school, I wasn't really very good at school. I didn't achieve very good results. So um, all I really wanted to do was look after children. And so mm-hmm. I went to do my NNEB at college. And when I'd achieved that, I went on to be a nanny for a few years. Um, I found nannying quite lonely because working on your own. And so I decided to have a change sort of mid, mid-20s. And I started a job in retail. So this was a, a brand new Toys R Us store in York. And mm-hmm. I started as a part-time member of staff. And uh, I found that I absolutely loved it. I loved the work and I loved all the people. And um, I was achieving. And I've sort of found out then and I was quite ambitious and I hadn't realized before so Mm. I started to get promoted and I was a supervisor and then they asked me if I'd like to do their management training program so I went on to do that which was really really excellent training for 12 weeks and then I worked my way up and I worked there for a few years for Toys R Us until I was a deputy store manager at Doncaster store Wow. So that was Gosh. quite different to childcare. <laughs> yeah, and, and you started off by saying that you'd always wanted to work with children, but I'm guessing the only children that you worked with were those that came in to buy toys, yes. but that wasn't really working with children terribly much. So. No, and um, also sort of late 20s, personally, I was starting to think about having a family, and so yeah. I thought the long hours that we worked at Toys R Us, there was no way that I was going to be able to have my own family. So I started mm-hmm. to think about what I was going to do with the rest of my life, really. And it was a strange light bulb moment when I was in a um, dentist waiting room when I was reading a magazine. And um, it talked about this lady who had opened uh, opened her own nursery. And she'd basically looked for a nursery for her children and couldn't find one that was good enough and decided to open her own. So I was sitting there thinking, well, I've got the childcare background, I've got the business side background now, so this is actually perfect for me. So yeah, um, within months, I'd found premises and I'd um, left my job at Toys R Us and I opened my first nursery. Wow, you said you're ambitious, but that's so going, <laughs> that really is. And it's a strange question, but how did it work out? So yeah, it was hard at first. Um, I opened the doors with three members of staff. There was um, two members of staff to do the childcare and me and uh, and a nursery cook. And we had one baby. 
<laughs> one baby to look after. Um, oh my goodness! Yes. So there were quite a few headaches uh, financially at first, and um, yes, I was pretty crazy really when I look back. But um, yeah, within a year, the nursery brave, was full. Though, very brave. Yes. What brave? What wow. crazy? Yeah. So within a year, it was full. It was full. That's amazing. And um, and when we had a waiting list, and so I knew that the demand was there. Uh, in Lincoln Mm -hmm. and so um, I opened another nursery and so within four years I'd actually opened three nurseries and two kids clubs Um, and they were all really successful. And how three nurseries and two childcare clubs that must have been incredibly stressful though because you weren't terribly old and you weren't I don't mean this wrongly but you weren't overly experienced in that field it must have been. That's right no I wasn't um well and also to add into the mix I had my daughter oh wow so within those four years yes I, I also had my daughter so it was just crazy um and it really did affect my health it was very stressful I ended up with 40 members of staff mm-hmm. and like you say I wasn't particularly experienced um and I was learning as I was going along mm-hmm. so it did affect my health and unfortunately um I was diagnosed with ME and um, that's when I decided that I would sell the nurseries. So that's one big lesson that I've had along my life that, you know, you need to look after yourself and well-being is very important. Um, so, yes, I, I do things quite differently now. It is so important. Well, I think when you're young and in a sense that the you're full of, you know, zest and everything else, it is so easy to just keep going, 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 going. And it's only once you hit a wall of some description that you suddenly step back and you go, actually, I need to look after myself now. So how did you do that, Leslie? So I sold the nurseries and I tried to just take t- take more time for myself and um, do more exercise and eat properly and all the things that you've heard before, but you know, you really do need to do these things and to make time for yourself because otherwise you're no good to anybody else. Um, and you certainly can't achieve and be successful when you're ill all the time. But fortunately, before yeah. I sold the nurseries, I did have the idea of the Hattie and Friends storybooks. So I right. kind of had something to focus on. How did the idea for the Hattie and Friends storybooks come about? Yeah, so that came about when uh, we had an Ofsted inspection at one of the nurseries and the mm-hmm. inspector said that we should reflect diversity more in our revo- resources, which other people have probably heard as well. So I went off to look for storybooks and other resources which were multicultural and had disability and other differences in. And um it was really hard. I couldn't find anything I liked. There were a lot of multicultural things, but disability just didn't seem to exist. And the ones that did exist were quite old fashioned and Mm -hmm. they weren't what I wanted. I wanted the child or the character to just have this disability and it was purely incidental. So that um, like in my stories, the children go for a day out and one of the characters just happens to have a disability. It's never mentioned in the text. Um, And it's just so that the children see a positive image of disability and they can accept that disability, accept the child for who they are. And um, sometimes when I read my stories and I go into schools, the children don't even talk about the disability. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine because it's just there for them to absorb (laughs) 
Well, it's really interesting you're saying that because you're right. A lot of storybooks that I've read with children with disabilities, the focus is on the disability as opposed to it just being part of who the child is. They have a disability, but it's not the focus of the story. I think the thing is that we're all unique, you know, and we've got to remember that we're all it's we're all very complex and unique individuals. So I would like to see a lot less stereotyping, a lot less putting people in boxes. And it's just, you know, Lucy is Lucy in my story. Lucy just happens to be blind. And when I I wrote that story, because the character uses a cane and she has dark glasses on, when my daughter saw somebody in the street who was obviously blind, she just said, oh, uh, they're just like Lucy, aren't they, mummy? And that's exactly what I want to happen. You know, it's it's just that is the person and they're unique and you don't need to question, you know, because disabilities are all different, aren't they? Every single one. So each child is unique. They are. And you're right. Disabilities in themselves are very unique. Yeah. And it's, you know, how, um, you know, how one a disability can affect one person, it can affect another person in a completely different fashion. Yes. And. I mean, we decided on the title uniqueness because everyone is unique and everyone has their own story to tell, just as you do. Because when you decided to write The Hattie and Friends, mm. it it wasn't a case of, right, I'm going to write Hattie and Friends and, and off I go. What then happened? You'd left the nursery. The idea was there. Yes. What happened then? So, um Around the same time as well, I went on two different courses. I went on a training discrimination, sorry, a training course about the Discrimination Act that was just about to come out. Um, And there was a trainer who talked about resources that were showing disability. And she had a Barbie in a wheelchair and she had a few other dolls and things, but she didn't have any storybooks with disability in. So this made me realise that there was and demand there and then also I was attending a business growth program at the same time and we were all talking about our own businesses and of course my business was stepping stones the nurseries at the time and I was sitting there thinking I don't actually want my business to grow anymore because <laughs> I'd um you know I'd, I'd grown as much as I wanted to in that business um, and I really had these illness problems so I just sort of said to the group that I got this other idea about the book Uh, the books and everybody just thought it was fantastic and they were all so supportive Um, and because there were people in the room from different businesses um, they could all sort of help me along so there was um, the managing director of a print and design company from Lincoln and um, he came to me afterwards and he said oh well I could help you with that and we have actually printed a children's book so although I'd had the idea, I wouldn't really know where to start. But because he helped me along, you know, it was, it was fantastic. So again, within months, I'd I'd got I'd written the book, the first book, and they'd done the print and design. He'd introduced me to the illustrator. She'd done all these beautiful illustrations, which were exactly how I'd seen Hattie, um, because Hattie, of course, is based on my daughter Harriet. So at the time, she was a cheeky little girl who had just started primary school and she just had a hair cut short into a brown bob and so that's exactly what I wanted she just thought that was very grown up to have this short hair for school for big school I think they all do that around that age they all suddenly decide what they they want a bob they do don't they it's being grown up isn't it it's going to big school so um yes Karen was brilliant at uh, just capturing what was in my head really 
So, yeah, if I hadn't have been on those learning, you know, training programs, then the idea in my head probably wouldn't have gone any further. So it all just fell into place. And um, so, yes, I had the idea in 2005. And by January 2006, the book was available to buy. We're now 2020. Yes. And I know, I know that you've had a pause in between 2006 and now. Yes. But now you, so, so, so why has there been that pause? So there's been quite a big pause because um, I'm a, I'm a single mum. So I was bringing up Harriet on my own and I was working different jobs. I've worked um, part-time in a theatre, which I absolutely loved as an administrator. And I've worked Hattie and Friends around that. So, you know, sometimes I would only have one school visit in a month or something like that. But now I'm, you know, full-time Hattie and I can put my full attention into it. So, of course, now we've got lockdown and I can't go anywhere. But because of lockdown as well, I've just really put everything into Twitter and it's been amazing. I've just met so many people, so many fantastic educators and they're all really spurring me along and really loving Hattie as well. So it's really, really going well now. It's interesting, actually. Lockdown has had so many issues with it. But at the same time, I think for so many of us involved in education and whatever respect we're involved in it, lockdown has given us a connection with others like never before. And in a sense, when you're telling your story, it's rather like back at that business meeting where everyone was saying to you, oh, yes, I can do this. Yes. I can do this. And, yes. publish, so yeah. and, and actually, Twitter's very similar, I find, yeah. that you'll come up with an idea and people go, yeah, you know, I'll help you with that and I'll help you yeah. with that. And I know that because I thought you'd been on Twitter for, for quite some time and then you told me that actually you'd only really gone for it in June. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those where I've had the Twitter account for sort of years. I think I set it up mm. in 2013 um, and, and I'd put the odd thing on there and I didn't really understand it. But yes, because you've got that time, I've taken the time to join in with things and, you know, things like um, your Tiny Voice Tuesday and um, Evo's Global Staff Room and mm-hmm. Kindness Ripple and things like that. And it's lovely because everybody's been so supportive and welcoming. So, yeah, it is really great. Um, I've never seen so many acronyms. I've, you know, had to look quite a few up because <laughs> that's been quite weird. But, yeah, it's, it's been really great. So I'm definitely carrying on with it and meeting lots of new people, collaborating with all sorts of exciting story times. And um, somebody's done some fantastic painted stones for me. I don't know if you've seen those on Twitter with the characters. Oh, I have. They're fantastic. Yeah, they are fantastic. So um, I can't wait to take those into schools with me. I'm sure the children will really love them. Yeah, and anything like that that's a bit different, I think that's great because, again, the children are just seeing a positive image of disability and sometimes questioning it because, obviously, they're curious. But as long as we answer in the correct way and, um, you know, we help them to see that, yes, we've got differences, but that's fine. We can all be friends. We can all play together. We can all help each other. So, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I think... It is so important that children recognise the uniqueness mm. of each other and their own uniqueness. And I think Hattie and Friends is, is doing a great job in enabling us to do that. So my final question that I ask everyone, if you could have had anyone alive or dead to teach you, who would you have chosen, Leslie? Well, I've chosen the Dalai Lama, the spiritual leader Ooh. for Tibet. 
And the reason for that is because of his wisdom and his mm-hmm. serenity. He's always very mm-hmm. calm, which I you know, struggle to do sometimes. And the first time I really became aware of who he was and his messages um, was when he came to Glastonbury on his 80th birthday. I think it was 2015. And his message was simple, but it was just wonderful. And I just keep thinking about it sometimes. And um, it's just so true because he was talking about happiness and what makes happiness. And he said, we need to try and be a happy individual with a happy mind. And for this, we need to have hope. And then in turn, that makes a happy home. And then that makes a happy community. And that makes a happy world. And it just makes you realise that if every single child could grow up in a house where they were loved and supported and it was a happy home, can you imagine what the world would be like? It would be a phenomenal world to live in. It really, really would. So that was mine. I love that one. Yeah, I I goosebumps because it, it is that what you're saying, the idea of every child living in a home where they are truly valued and their uniqueness yeah. is celebrated. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that we've been able to talk about uniqueness today. So for those people that want to find you, Leslie, how do they find you? How do they get in touch with Hattie and Friends? On Twitter, I'm at Hattie's Friends. And obviously from there you can find everything else. But I have a website which is hattieandfriends.co.uk. So the books are available on there uh, with free PMP and there's an offer on at the moment for going back to school. Fantastic. Leslie, thank you so much for coming along and I wish you a really, really lovely day. Thank you. It's been lovely, Toria. You take care.